Charlie was a stickler for punctuality. I want to honor that. On behalf of Maisie and David and Trish and this lovely Dunlop family, may I thank you for being here today. We're here to worship God and we're here to give thanks to God for the life of Charlie Dunlop, a faithful, loving husband, a devoted father and grandfather, a caring brother, a loyal friend, and a tireless, highly professional work colleague. And your presence is really appreciated. It's really appreciated. And although David, Charlie's son, will subsequently bring a personal tribute to his father, your presence in such numbers is in itself uh, something of a tribute. So thank you for being here. Back in the earlier part of the year, just prior to, well, it was just after Easter, David and I were talking about his dad. We were sitting in the sun. Charlie's prognosis, that very stark six to nine months and his declining health were high in our thoughts when David injected into the conversation dad wants you to take his funeral Haddon he said it in a very matter of fact way rather like his father would he Charlie got straight to the point a typical Charlie Dunlop reflection on his cancer and his situation was, as many of you know, everybody dies and you've got to die of something. I'm sure you've heard that from him. There was no why me, just practical acceptance of the situation. There are more able and more eloquent people who could be standing here, but really, I feel deeply honored, highly privileged, moved that my good friend, Charlie Dunlop, wanted me to do this. And he would want no humbug. He would want no hype, no flowery talk. He would also want me to be brief. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he would. But let, let's be clear what we're about today. We've endeavored to be so as we stood by the graveside at Loch Inch in Ballinahinch. At God's timing, around 9.30 on Thursday morning, with his wife and family by his side, in his own home, on the couch and in the room, the couch he loved and the room he loved, Charlie vacated the temporary body that was provided for him to occupy during the 80-plus years of his life. He left not one day 
earlier or later than God had, died, had determined. It was designated. Our Bible says with absolute clarity, all the days ordained for us were written in his book before one of them came to pass. And Charlie's spirit, already united to Jesus through repentance and faith, went into the presence of his Savior around 9.30 Thursday morning. The mysteries that he wrestled with and that we still wrestle with are now, many of them, resolved. He no longer sees through a glass darkly. It's all clear now. The drama is not yet finished. He has entered a very exciting phase, but there's more. Many a time we talked about the more, and we talked about it this morning in church in Ballinahinch. When Charlie, when Jesus returns, Charlie will be with him. And we believe in the bodily return of the Lord Jesus. Charlie will be with him with a new body designed for eternity. Now, there's a mystery here beyond human reckoning. I'm in an area of conversation where it's dangerous to speculate, but there are clear issues in Scripture around which we can derive tremendous hope at this service. Charlie will have a body by some divine metamorphosis like unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet in some way connected to what we led to rest at the cemetery this morning. We believe in resurrection. Mystery. And the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise Charlie Dunlop one day. And of course there's sadness. Of course there's sadness. Tears are part of being human. Jesus sanctified tears when he wept bitterly at the funeral or the death of a friend. Nothing wrong with tears. But there is a difference. There's a difference. We, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. There is a difference in the way we grieve. And there's a day coming that we will share with the whole body of Christ, a wonderful resurrection day, a crowning day. So while there is the end of an era, very definitely, that we're recognizing today, there are things that are over. Things will not be the same again, and hence the tears. But the best has yet to come. And we rejoice in that today. Charlie Dunlop was a good man. And many of us can testify to that. But he's not in the presence of his Savior today because he was a good man. He's in the presence of Christ today because he recognized that his goodness was not enough. And he gladly surrendered to Jesus 
trusted him. The Lord was and indeed is his shepherd. And we're going to sing about that right now. That lovely hymn that has been chosen, and I understand that Charlie chose the items of praise that we're singing today. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. We're singing the beautiful new version with the the chorus. And I ask you to sing it, you know, sing it as a testimony to the confidence that we have in this wonderful shepherd Lord. So stand with me as we sing this opening hymn together.
family man. His grandchildren, Shannon, Kyra, Kristen, Julianne, Rebecca, and Katie are going to sing for us right now. And after that, without any further introduction from me, Raymond Davis, a very close friend of Charlie's over many years. In fact, I think Charlie was Raymond and Helen's best man. Raymond is going to come and read for us the 121st Psalm. And then David, Charlie's son, will bring a tribute to his father. So the grandchildren, the reading from Raymond, and the tribute from David, please.
upstairs. That was very, very special. Uh, it was just last Tuesday, um, I was with Charlie and we had just read Psalm 121. And we were reminding ourselves that the God who looks after us now with his love and care and protection is the same God who promises that he watches over us both now and forevermore. Charlie is now enjoying the reality and the joy of the evermore. I just want to read this psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he will not let your foot slip. And he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. And he will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Uh, on behalf of Mum and Trish and the rest of the family, I really do want to thank uh, everyone for coming today and for all the love and the care and the messages and the cards and the food parcels that we've received recently. We could feed a small village. It's been amazing. And I also want to take this opportunity to uh, thank the healthcare professionals who have been brilliant. Dr. Simon Watson and Sister Elner Middleton and the team at Montalto Health Centre, the Marie Curie nurses, the care assistants, John Hanawan and Hanawan's Pharmacy and Oliver at the Northern Ireland Hospice. Thank you. And I know that when Dad was able to, he constantly has expressed his appreciation for all that was done for him and with the dignity with which he was treated and cared for. So thank you. Whenever, as Haddon says, Dad discovered that he had lung cancer, his response was typical of him. So pragmatic, so matter-of-fact, so straightforward, so strong, so brave. He simply said, as Haddon said, we all have to die of something at some point, and I have had a good innings. And for the past six months until Thursday morning at 9.30, that, that was his attitude, that was his mindset. He confronted death as he lived life. With courage and with strength and with a faith that was grounded and genuine. And so I, I publicly want to pay tribute to my dad. I want to thank God for the privilege of being shaped and profoundly influenced by him. Although I'm not sure I'm going to get through this. <laughs> now since April, whenever dad's condition was confirmed, numerous people have written to him. Numerous people have written and spoken to us, and that has only intensified since Thursday. And therefore, I know, and we as a family know, how much Dad was loved and admired and valued and respected and held in high regard by all kinds of people, 
from all walks of life. And so to be honest, I don't need to say very much, if anything. You, you all know what dad was really like. Plus, I could speak for long enough and, and still not cover a fraction of his life or do him justice. And therefore, I'm going to miss and I'm going to overlook such a lot. But let me attempt to capture a few things. And although dad always thought of others first, it was never about him. I am going to talk about him. And I am going to make this about him in part for a few moments. I think a couple of words that, that everyone mentions about dad, apart from a, a true gentleman, one of life's true gentlemen, said to me time and time again. But two words that are regularly associated with dad are hard working and practical. He could fix or make almost anything. And I reckon there are many people here whose homes or other buildings have something of dad's handiwork stamped all over them. And dad was one of nine kids, and I'm not going to say much about his early life because I wasn't around. But I, I know how much he loved and he cared for his four brothers and his four sisters down through the years. And I know how much he meant to them. And with Auntie Greta so unwell now, I realize that dad's other remaining sibling, Auntie Hazel, is going to miss her wee brother so much. But as one of nine children, this practical hard work ethic was clearly ingrained and infused into the Dunlop DNA. It obviously skipped a generation, but that's another issue. <laughs> or rather, I should say, it, it skipped my DNA mix, but definitely landed in Trish's. And at the age of 14, Dad started working for William Dowling Limited Building Contractors, where he served his time and he served in various roles as a joiner and as a foreman and as a, a director for 48 years. But even after he retired at 62, he continued to work hard. He continued to fix and he continued to mend and he continued to construct. Dad was a worker extraordinaire. But another word that quickly comes to mind about Dad when it came to work, and I'm not quite sure how I put this, but was he was fussy. <laughs> dad demanded and delivered a pretty high standard of work to say the least and anyone who cut corners anyone who slacked or thought that'll do would soon know about it dad was direct but fair he didn't miss and hit the wall dad didn't suffer fools gladly and if you weren't going to do it right and don't do it at all. Ended to be his attitude. Even up to last week, whenever he asked Roly, his neighbor, and his friend to do a job, he told him, Roly, if you don't do it right, I'll put your windows out. <laughs> and for Trish and I growing up, that made life at times pretty interesting. But as, as I said, Dad was fair. He was firm. But he was fair and you never doubted his love. Although you sure knew that a comment or a phrase like, 
that'll do rightly, Dad. It's going to provoke a reaction. But you know, although those facts about Dad, his hard work and his DIY skills and his attention to detail, they're all legendary. And anyone here would affirm that. Dad wasn't just a man with good hands. He was a man with a good heart. A great heart. And I mean that in the fullest sense. His dad was a man of integrity. Dad was a man of character. He was true to his word. He was trustworthy. He was genuine. He was generous. He was kind. He was considerate. He was loyal and he was loving. And although that was true in his life and in his interaction with others, it was absolutely true of him as a husband to mum, as a dad to Trish and I, as a father-in-law to Glenis and Dave, and as a papa to Julianne and to Shannon and Rebecca and Cara and Katie and Kristen. Married to mum for 59 years, together for 65. They shared joys and challenges. They shared dark days. And bright days. But dad's faithfulness and support and commitment to mum meant everything to her. And I know mum feels the loss and will feel the loss of her Shah, as she called him, more than anyone. And as a dad to Trish and I, he was our rock, as well as so many other things. But he was our rock. And he was a constant supporter of everything we did. Which included coming to watch me play football every home game for Balna Hinch until I was 45. <laughs> and until I wrecked my knee. And I do just want to thank Balna Hinch United just for the minute silence that they observed before their home game yesterday as a mark of respect for that. But dad was our constant supporter. And he was always there for us. And you only needed to mention a need, whether it was for advice or for perspective or for something that needed to be sorted, repaired or built, and he was all over it. Or when the grandkids did come along, if they ever needed collected or looked after, he just loved to do it. Mom and dad loved to do it. And the six granddaughters, because Trish and I just could not find the recipe for a grand. <laughs> but the six granddaughters meant the world to him, brought him so much delight, so much joy. And although again, the memories are countless, the stories are endless, his annual birthday song that was written and sung by the girls has made him such a proud grandfather, and there are DVDs to prove it. They will miss their papa. But this good heart and big heart extended beyond his immediate family. Dad and mum had many, many friends who were important and significant. And I know how special and important dad was to them. Lots of people have made the con comment that they counted an honor to call Charlie Dunlop their friend. And I know that some of you, like Raymond, and like his partners in crime, Rowley and Jim, are going to feel the void intensely. But as well as a practical and hard-working man, a fussy man, a man with a big heart, Dad was also a man of faith. A man with a deep, personal Christian faith, with, which wasn't just 
a massive part of his life, but it helped define him. And it influenced virtually everything he did. And again, it was a faith that was active. It was a faith that was tangible and visible. It was a faith that expressed itself in service. It was a faith with boots on. And so dad ran kids' meetings and kids' clubs. He was a youth leader who organized the young peoples, as it was uncreatively known back then, at Balnehenge Baptist. And for years at the house on Macronock Road and on weekends to places like the coach house, dad served young people, shared his faith, and influenced the generation for Jesus. And dad never lost that desire to champion young people. Dad also served as church treasurer, deacon at Balanch Baptist. He was often the one who welcomed new people to the church. But when it came to vision, when it came to catching a glimpse of future needs of a local church, he came into his own. He was a catalyst for making things happen. His can-do, will-do, and do-it-right attitude was a godsend to many in church leadership down through the years. And the church building projects that he initiated, that he managed, and that he maintained will be part of his legacy. Dad's faith defined his life. And it also impacted his death. And his approach to dying. And I say that partly because he did choose the songs for his own funeral service. Songs that reflected his faith. And so we sing about trusting in God alone. We sing about God's faithfulness right through the storms of life. And right at the end of the service, we're going to sing, It's well with my soul. And Dad's Christian faith meant that he could face his illness and that he could face cancer. And that he could face his death with with genuine hope and peace. And at one point last week on Tuesday... Whenever dad was heavily sedated and apparently asleep, this was brought to the fore. Because all of a sudden he spoke. And he hadn't spoken for hours. And actually, these were the last words he said. And mum and Trish and I were there. He said he wanted to go home. And I said, Dad, you are at home. He said, no, I want to go to heaven. And as his iPad played, which he got for his 80th birthday, as his iPad played one of his favorite hymns, How Great Thou Art, he held up and he reached out his arms. And for a moment, it looked as if he was on his way. And it didn't happen for a couple more days, but dad's home now. Hope fulfilled. That's what he firmly expected. That's what he firmly believed. And whatever heaven looks like at the moment, or will look like one day, I only hope dad's mansion is finished to a decent standard. I hope it is (laughs) dust-free, and I hope it has at least some mahogany. (laughs) And so Dad will be missed by all of us, 
he will be painfully missed by some of us. But we thank God for him and for every memory. And I want to finish with a line from a movie. It's from Gladiator. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. You see if that's right, if that's true, then my dad's life and impact on others is going to cause some reverberation for a very, very long time. To God be the glory. To dad and no nonsense, get things done. Real, big-hearted man of faith. I pay tribute to him, and I honour him. Thank you, David. Really, only you could have brought that particular tribute. Thank you for doing it. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, let's have this next song. Please. Faithful one, so unchanging. Faithful one, so unchanging. Ageless one, you're my rock of peace. This is what Charlie lived by.
David Dunlop and I worked together for several years in the pastorate in Ballinahinch, and now he's my pastor. And that's a joy. Last Sunday, David preached a sermon in Windsor Baptist Church on faith in adversity. Many of you were there. I was not. But Betty and I listened to the podcast during the week. And it really has become the, the basis, the, uh, it's, I want to leap off it for what I want to say, David. So thank you for being so faithful to God in what was indeed a situation of adversity. And I know you don't want the attention drawn to yourself, but it was preached in adversity. It was preached with difficulty. The biblical context of the sermon was Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, under life-threatening pressure. You'll recall when they refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's huge golden idol. Faith under pressure, faith in adversity. And we were reminded that people with strong faith have a faith that can be stretched, but not broken. Stretched, but not broken. Maisie and Trish, David, family and friends, in the, life, in the light of my observations and the difficult realities of the last several months for you and for Charlie, I, I know, I know that this has been a period of immense adversity and tension. Faith that was stretched, but without breaking. And when I prayed about this, I've come to a passage that, quite frankly, I thought I never would regard as suitable for a, a Thanksgiving service, a funeral service. But I do today. I think it's relevant because of what I knew and loved about my friend Charlie Dunlop and his relationship with God. Jeremiah was not happy with his lot. He was doing everything that God asked for him. He stood on the firm heritage of the patriarchs. He delivered God's prophetic message faithfully. But everything seemed to go wrong. And the God that he served did not appear to intervene on his behalf. Jeremiah's faith was stretched. Came to a point where he appears to have had enough and he turns to God with a measure of irritation but with great 
a great confidence in God's wisdom. And the twelfth chapter of the prophecy that is under his name starts with a wonderful premise. If you're going to bring something to God, then here's the way to do it. Jeremiah starts, You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you, but I would speak to you about your justice. And we talk about this, Lord. And he sets out his case. I don't understand it, Lord. I'm trying to please you and everything's going wrong. And yet there are many in the nation who don't give you a thought and things are fine with them. Help me, Lord. I bring this before you. I know you're always right, but I bring this before you. Somehow, when I read this for the first time some time ago and came back to it, I looked for a gentle answer from God. I looked for an answer that would show, because we have a compassionate God. But the answer was firm and uncompromising. And on first reading, I found it shocking. Here's what God said, Jeremiah. You've raced with men on foot, And they've worn you out. How will you compete with horses? If you stumble in the safe country, how will you manage by the thickets of the Jordan, by the Jordan? If you stumble in the safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Many a time I talked with Charlie about the fact that Christians are subject to the usual ups and downs in life in a fallen world. Unemployment, depression, disappointment, financial hardship, cancer, bereavement. Christians are not immune to these things. Thank God for the good day. And David made some reference to it. There are good memories. Thank God for the good days. I was blessed to share a few of them with the Dunlop families, with Charlie and with Macy. Thank God for the safe country. Thank God for the good day. But how will we do in the thickets by the Jordan? How will we do in the thickets by the Jordan? And that's where Charlie Dunlop has been since the oncologist responded to his request for candor. Tell me straight, Charlie told me. In your experience, how long? And while the physician acknowledged that ultimately this is Outside my hands, he nevertheless, in the light of his experience, because Charlie pushed him. Six to nine months, Charlie. Six to nine months. And I thank you. David confirmed this. And Maisie would agree, and the grandchildren saw this. Charlie coped well in the tough place, in the thickets. 
by the Jordan. And Maisie and Trish, Dave, and this family would want me to tell you very simply and very briefly why and how he coped. It's already been drawn attention to this afternoon. When I saw Charlie for the last time last Monday, when we prayed together, I believe we were aware of another person in that room, another real presence. And only his presence will do in the thickets by the Jordan. But God was there. When Nebuchadnezzar and the courtiers of Babylon looked into the fiery furnace to witness the horrendous death that they anticipated of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Walking about, they were unharmed. You know the story, many indeed, all of you. They were walking around, the Bible tells us, unharmed, with a fourth person there who looked, the Bible says, like a son of the God. He was in that room on Monday, Missy, when we prayed. I'll never leave you, Charlie. I'll never forsake you. God fulfilled that promise. And that is why, without a doubt, Charlie Dunlop was able to cope and stand and deal with the thickets by the Jordan. He had a strong faith. But David, I want to put a caveat in, and I know you'll not disapprove of this caveat. Strong faith is highly desirable. But more important than the strength of our faith is the object of our faith. And when I lived in Ballinahinch in the early days, back in the 90s, early 90s, I was given an object lesson that I've never quite forgotten. Allow me to share it with you. Macaulay's Lake, which is just outside Ballinahinch on the back road to Seaford and beyond, in the early 90s, it was frozen. And I had a friend who lived out that way who was a very competent ice skater. And he tried the edges of Macaulay's Lake, and it was firm. And with all the confidence in his skill as an ice skater, he went out towards the center of the lake and as he went out there, the ice gave way. He went into the chilling waters, and he was almost drowned. Some years later, about two years after that, Macaulay's Lake was frozen again. This time it was an intense frost compared to the previous time, and word got around that the ice on the lake was something like a foot thick. Some of you may remember that frost, about 1993. And my friend thought, I'll try this again. First time, full of confidence, went under. Second time, very gingerly making his way out onto the ice. 
very gingerly heading away from the margins of the lake towards the center. But his small faith this time was founded on thick ice. And he was fine. First time, strong faith, thin ice, disaster. Second time, not such strong faith, but this time, on strong, thick ice. Our faith may vary vary in strength. We can ask God to strengthen it. The important thing is, what's the object of your faith? And you know, the only reason this service has a ring of triumph in it, and that's not a reason for no tears and no feeling of hardship today and no sadness at the loss of our good friend, but the reason this service has a ring of triumph is because Maisie and David and Trish and the family and those who knew Charlie well knew that his faith was not only strong, but it was on the solid foundation of Christ. He was firmly anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in any of the wonderful qualities that David was able to share with us and that so many of us have seen. He was confident in the thickets of Jordan because... His hand was firmly into the hand of Christ and his faith was there. I found Charlie Dunlop's dying a faith-building exercise. I really did. Wesley said of his people, my people die well. Charlie Dunlop died well. And it was a testimony to us all. A testimony to his grandchildren and to his family. I'm mixing metaphors, I know, but with Christ in the vessel, Charlie could smile at the storm. We had laughs around his deathbed. I'm not going to bring them into this conversation. Some of them David quite properly brought out there. Charlie never lost his sense of humor. Right to the very end. He could smile at the storm. He was able to stand with the armor of God and with Christ by his side. You know, the Bible talks about when you've done all, stand. Charlie stood. He was lying in that bed, but spiritually, he was standing. And what a faith-building exercise that was, to kneel by his bedside and pray and feel the sense and the presence of God there. To kneel by his form as it was on that couch and kiss his forehead and know, Charlie, you're in the very presence of God because your confidence was in him. What about you? I'm not going to turn this into a gospel meeting. I'm simply saying, as Charlie said, we've all got to die. We've all got to die of something. Unless Jesus returns. But I can ask you that question. How will you do in the thickets by the Jordan? It's fine in the safe country. 
So how will you do in the thickets by the Jordan? Thank you, Charlie, for choosing this closing hymn. Though Satan should buffet, the verse says, and trials should come, and they did. Boys, they did. Cancer of the lower lung, upper stomach is hard to face. Though Satan should buffet and trials should come, yet this blessed, blessed assurance control, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. Charlie Dunlop, as he lay there, could have sung from his inner being, it is well with my soul. We're going to sing the closing hymn. I'm just going to pray after it. I want you to look at the words and ask, are these really words that I can sing with significant personal meaning? How will you stand? in the thickets by the Jordan. Closing hymn. When peace like a river tendeth my way and sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's stand together and sing to the glory of God this wonderful
Lord, may the truths in that hymn that are founded in the truth of your word bring comfort in the loss that's felt so intensely by some more than others today. Lord, we commit Maisie and Trish and Dave and the family into your care. God, bring peace, the very peace of your presence into their hearts. We know there are difficult days ahead, an empty chair, a presence that was rejoiced in and brought such comfort and encouragement no longer there. But Lord, will you compensate by your beautiful presence there? And we pray that every one of us, while we might thank you for the safe country, we pray that we might find our hope in Christ like Charlie did, that we might be able to stand in the thickets by the Jordan when the tough times come. So hear our prayer, Lord. Grant that as we leave here, we leave encouraged, challenged, focused a little more on you and the eternal realities, because that which is seen is temporal, that which is unseen is eternal. Help us not to be blinded by the temporal, but to have that glimpse of the eternal and have our hand firmly in the hand of Christ and our faith on that solid rock. Hear us, we pray. Part us with your blessing. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Heavenly Father and the sweet abiding fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be our portion now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. God bless you.